Frank Garza, and welcome to episode one of San Francisco People. Now, a lot of my friends have been asking me recently, why are you starting a podcast? And why is it called San Francisco People? What's that all about? Well, let me tell you something a little bit about myself first. I'm from Missouri. I was born there. I was raised there. I went to school there. And when I graduated, I got my first job in Louisiana and lived there for almost a decade. It was a nice place, but I knew I didn't want to spend the rest of my life there. I wanted to live someplace that I loved. So I decided to give San Francisco a try and moved out here five years ago. Within a few days, I had fallen in love with this city. It's the perfect place for me, and there's so many things I love about our city. First, I like that it's a city, a real urban city. When I walk out my door, I can feel the buzz and energy of people and action and just things going on. I love having a neighborhood where I can walk to go do or to go get anything that I need. My gym, grocery store, dry cleaners, doctor, dentist, they're all just a few blocks away. And I have my own neighborhood places, my own neighborhood restaurants and bars that I can walk in and see familiar faces of the people that are working there, or maybe even a few of my neighbors. I like walking through the city and exploring all the other neighborhoods, from the marina to the mission, and seeing what makes each of them unique and different. And the beauty of San Francisco has never gotten old to me, even after all of these years. With just a simple walk down my block, I can see beautiful Victorian homes with a Golden Gate Bridge and the bay in the background. There's nothing like that view on a clear and sunny day. Not long after moving here, I did what anyone else would do. I tried making new friends. I'd go out, I'd meet people, and I'd get into the same get-to-know-you conversations that I'm used to. You know, what'd you do last weekend? What type of work do you do? What do you do for fun? You know, the usual stuff. But I quickly noticed a trend. The average San Franciscan was living an amazing life. Every person, it seemed, had a successful, interesting career, and some were even running their own company or in the midst of a startup. People packed so many activities into a single weekend. I'd ask somebody, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I biked 50 miles in Marin this morning, went wine tasting in Napa, had dinner at a Michelin-starred restaurant, and caught a show at the Fillmore. And that was just Saturday. Traveling around the world was the norm. Nobody was impressed with my trips to Paris or London. Everyone had traveled around Europe. No, they had just come back from Peru, Kenya, or even a honeymoon to the Galapagos Islands. And I loved the open-mindedness, acceptance, and tolerance that everyone had towards people that were different than them. Yes, the bar had definitely been raised. I wanted to do a podcast about these San Francisco people. I want to bring them into my studio, which also happens to be my dining room, but nonetheless, 
I want to bring them in here and have them share their extraordinary, ordinary lives. Right away, I knew who my first guest would be. Rob Hunter, my good friend and successful entrepreneur, is on the show today. I met Rob not long after moving here. He was one of my first friends and probably the first person in San Francisco I had made a real connection with. When I think about my friendship with Rob, I always go back five years ago to a backpacking trip we took in the Trinity Alps. We went with a group of friends, but only Rob ended up in my car for the long drive home. I really didn't know Rob that well at the time, but on the ride home, Rob really opened up about his life and what his plans were. Rob was an app writer, a struggling app writer, and he was also the first app writer I had ever met. Now I had an iPhone at the time. I had probably had one for about a year, but the whole idea of apps was still a novelty to me. And you know, I was also working in a pretty steady, typical job. I was an engineer working for the man, you know, in your typical nine to five job. Rob, on the other hand, was waking up whenever he wanted, heading to a coffee shop, opening up his laptop, and coding. He was trying to create the next big app. That lifestyle and the thought of building an entire career around an app absolutely intrigued me. At the time of the car ride, Rob had enjoyed some modest success with a few apps and some consulting work, but he definitely wasn't in a comfortable place yet. But he kept at it, and over the years, I enjoyed seeing him gain more and more success with each app that was released. He eventually co-founded a company called Focused Apps, which developed the popular hit tennis series that now has 35 million downloads. With Hit Tennis Multiplayer, uh, you can pick up your phone, your friend can pick up their phone, and you guys can play each other in tennis. You can even play strangers from all over the world, if that's your thing. Last weekend when I was home, visiting the fam, I played my niece. I kicked her ass, beat her in straight sets. Never mind that she's 10 years old. Never mind that it was her birthday. Hey, I got caught up in the moment. That's what Hit Tennis does for you. It's a great game. Go on the App Store, search for tennis, and it's the first one that comes up. Rob is also your prototypical San Franciscan. He takes the bus more than anyone I know. He enjoys a few cocktails, a few glasses of wine, or an IPA from time to time. And he always has a good hole-in-the-wall restaurant or bar to recommend, depending on which neighborhood you're in. He's always up for an outdoor adventure, and he loves his runs down to Chrissy Field along the bay. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Rob as we talk about his journey from struggling app writer to successful entrepreneur and what he loves about San Francisco. Which part of LA are you from? Um, well, I grew up in Los Angeles proper, so sort of by Eagle Rock up in the hills there, and then we moved to South Pasadena, yeah, um, which is next to Pasadena, which many people know because the Rose Bowl and um, right. and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I lived there till I went to uh, college in Berkeley, 
and then and that was my first taste of the bay area really okay and we would take trips to san francisco kind of exploring it you know bus bart you and your friends uh, you and your friends from college <clears throat> yeah and uh it's funny now that i live here this or right when i moved here rather i would um i would get to a place and then realize that i had been there you know many many years yeah. before in college but in college you kind of you know, half clueless and you don't, someone else is leading and you don't even know how you got there or which bus right. or cab or whatever you took. And, oh, oh, this is Potrero Hill. That makes sense. Now I know where that is, you know, yeah. going to bottom of the hill or something like that. Yeah. I have friends um, that are still like that. They're terrible with, <laughs> they're terrible with names. They can't remember the name of any restaurant and you say, Hey, do you want to go to this place tonight? And then you go and they're like, Oh, I have been there. I didn't I'm think I'd been there before. I'm yeah. what I'm good at. It made me think of the so directions, like sense of direction. I feel like I do know where I am, you know. Right. But except when I get inside a building for some reason, then I get turned around. And I like have to look out a window to see see where I am. So that's a right. That's a definite weakness. Right. I have. Cool. So when did you uh, when did you get into the whole coding yeah apping thing? I mean, when you yeah. were a teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, were you a sports guy? Were you more I, into that sort of thing? Or no, I mean, I was definitely, I, I mean, I played Little League like everyone did. I played one season of soccer, and I was really bad at that. My friends still make fun of me, some of the, yeah. some of the guys I was in the league with. Um, they still say Rampage to me, which is... Rampage? That was the name of my team. And okay. it's just, it's kind of a wink-wink making fun of me, like, wow, you're really terrible at soccer. Okay. Um, in, a, in, a, in a friendly way. Um, did the little league thing, but no, I was much more, uh, into computers. And it was before I was a teenager. It was, um, I, I I believe I want to say seven or eight years old. We got our first computer with the kind where you, um, plug it into a TV. Mm -hmm. So it's like the the computer is inside the keyboard and there's no monitor and you just plug it into, uh, your TV. Our, our family friend told us this Texas instruments brand or was going out of, you know, uh, whatever that's called when, you know, they're removing it from sale. Right. Um, it may have been all of Texas instruments going out of the computer business, but I don't know if, I don't know exactly the history of that. But anyways, we got this cheap at, at the a department store or something, this computer. Uh-huh. And then my mom who taught me how to program. And now the funny thing is she doesn't know how to program, but back then computers came with books on how to program. You know, okay. now they come with a, a nice little three page pamphlet showing you how to Right. Swipe with your finger to unlock your iPhone kind of thing. Right. But back then they came with like, uh, I don't know, 100, 200 page how to program in the basic programming language. So hmm. my mom, I don't know how. What the, was she programming? What kind well, of Well, she wasn't. She would write on, I don't know if she ever like did it herself, but she would write on a note card, 10 space print space Robbie in quotes, um, my name. Uh-huh. And, uh, 10, that's just like a line number. You start all programs with a line number in, in basic and then print means write this. And then I wrote my name. And so I would just copy it off the the note card. Um, mm-hmm. And I that excited me, apparently. Yeah. So I, and, and I would start by kind of then doing that myself. I would look in that book and just start typing in the program. So it was, it was a very slow process. It wasn't like I was a... Uh, a computer genius where I instantly got it. I would literally spend hours 
copying these programs, like typing them in because you didn't have like the internet to like download it or just run it. So I would copy them from this piece of paper and, uh, and hope they worked at the end because if they didn't work, I didn't know why, you know, I couldn't debug them because I didn't know how to program. But eventually I, I, I guess I must've started changing them, you know, thinking like, Oh, if I wanted to do something slightly different, like how would I do that? So that was kind of the earliest stuff and, and apps, that wasn't really, I, I think that's a pretty modern term. Right. Um, or at least in terms of how popular it is now, like everyone knows the word apps. Like, do you make apps? Um, that's a, that's a pretty um, modern thing. And I, I really think it became popular with, um, when the iPhone announced the right. ability to, to make third party right. apps. So, but you started this as a kid mm-hmm. and it continued to progress. Even like as you were a teenager, you continued to do this whatever yep. program was available and continue to work out from that. Yeah. And then when you went to Berkeley, was that your major? It was, I, I didn't want to be, I was all, I was kind of like a, a reluctant computer science student in the beginning because it was too fun for me. It always seemed just like a fun thing to do, like right. a, a hobby or, or a game or something like that. And, um, so I was either going to do, I think I was going to be a lawyer, like I was wanted to be pre-law, and I thought I'd major in mathematics. I, you know, somehow that made sense to me, or maybe English. Right. And but I would take some computer science classes, you know, because I wanted to have fun. And then I took the first one, and I guess I decided it was it was serious enough. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm def- I'll major in computer science. So right. I ended up doing that. Okay. Uh, in college, and then grad school after that. Okay. I did more computer science. Yeah. And then. Uh, so what, let me ask you this: yeah. Moving from LA to Berkeley, yeah. So SoCal to Northern California was that a change at all? Yeah, I, I think so. But it's really hard to. I think I wasn't mature enough to almost like classify the the changes or the differences I saw into Northern California and Southern California because it really is two different phases of my life. There's mm-hmm. the you're growing up in your suburb you know uh, of los angeles or or wherever you grew up and uh you know i had i was in my own little world and then i went to college where you know i'm on my own you know making my own decisions deciding where i go what i eat stuff like that and i think the world you know it's inevitably going to look so different then right now that said i do remember one story I, I visited, I was going, I was in like a newspaper camp, a summer newspaper camp at Stanford. So me and a friend drove up from LA. We had just got our licenses like a week before or something like that. And my parents decided this was okay that we would drive up, um, to, uh, alone to, uh, Stanford. And, uh, the girl I was driving with, she, her aunt lived in Berkeley. So we stopped there. And I'd mm-hmm. heard about Berkeley and knew, you know, it was a good school and that I'd probably, I'd probably apply there. And we got to Telegraph Avenue. I don't know if you've been to that street. Yep. It's, it's, a, it's a wild place. Yep. Um, and I knew instantly that I did not want to go to school at Berkeley. This okay. place was too crazy. We were at Blondie's Pizza. The <clears throat> cashier was just yelling at a customer and the customer was yelling back. And this place was terrifying and I knew yeah. I didn't want to go there. Okay. And, uh, I think I ended up, I did, I, I ended up applying just because at the end I didn't get into some of my, the schools, like I, I guess I really wanted to go to. And, uh, so we, 
my mom and I drove, you know, this is, I guess, senior year. I don't exactly remember the timeline of when you apply to college and stuff, but it must have been senior year. My mom and I drove to uh, Berkeley and I just loved it. So something must have changed. Right. Um, and I never been there. Telegraph Avenue wasn't like the place I uh, it's not like I grew to start hanging up, hanging out there all the time, but I did. Um, uh, I did really like the place and I'm really glad all those other schools rejected me. Now I probably yeah. would have had a great time and a great experience there too, but I definitely had a great right. experience at Berkeley. Um, okay. Yeah. So then you graduated from Berkeley comp sci major comp sci. Yeah. And, uh, what was the next step? Next step was, um, now maybe it should have been going and joining a hot startup, you know, cause this was, I graduated in 2000. Okay. And I think, See, I was so out of, I was like in my little theoretical computer science world. I didn't want to do anything like directly practical. I was thinking very much grad school, kind of like a math focus kind of thing. But, I, and I enjoyed my time in grad school, but I also, it would have been cool, I think, to join even a startup that flamed out, you know, just to right. to see that, what that world was like. Um, you know, the, the dot-com bubble and the ultimate um, bursting of it. Uh so, but I didn't do that. Yeah, I went to grad school. Is that what school. a lot of your classmates were doing when um, they were graduating? I don't know. I I, I, I kind of remember they used, they at the graduation, they read out like where they were going. And, you know, there were a bunch of Microsoft, which wasn't, that wasn't a startup at the time. You know, that was like going to work right. for a nice company, um, but it wasn't a startup. Some of them were going to work for a startup. I don't think it was super common. I wonder if it would have been at Stanford. That might have the more kind of entrepreneurial Right, like thing ingrained in the students. I I don't know, um, but I also don't. Uh, gosh, it was so long ago now. I don't I don't even remember. But I know I was like, I'm going to grad school. As soon as I found out that they, if you go to the PhD program, they pay for it. Um, right. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And I was kind of just getting into my major, like learning new things, feeling like I was, uh, I don't know, it just felt right at the time. So right. I, went, I went to grad school. Okay. And then uh, where was that at? That was in Brown, Providence, Rhode Island. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was, that must've been a big change. So you grew up your whole life in California, went uh -huh. to school, went to college in California. Now you're going to the East coast so, Ivy league school. Yeah. Right. Um, that all, everyone in LA said bundle up, you know, it's going to be cold. Yeah. And then I uh, showed up in <laughs> August and it was the hottest freaking <clears throat> thing, the humidest freaking thing I'd ever felt. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I guess that makes sense. August. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the weather was rough, peaceful snows when the snowflakes are just like falling down gently and it's yeah. like peaceful and quiet. Like that's a great time in the winter, but when it's like super like beyond cold and really icy and muddy, that gets you down. I think for like three, the third winter, I think is when, cause I was there, I guess four years or something like right. that, maybe three winters, four years, something like that. Um, I remember the third winter like was just a little bit colder and I was like, okay, um, this maybe is a bit much. I knew ultimately, like when your family's here, like I knew ultimately I'd, I'd head back West. Right. But, you know, I, I like the town. Um, right. It was fun, but I didn't, I, uh, I dropped out. Okay. Um, so I was a, uh, PhD student or candidate, I guess you'd say. And, right. uh, I decided one day I was having a lot of trouble, like, um, just, uh, 
it, it was like I'd be excited because my project was going well, and then I'd realize there was a problem with the math behind it, and then that would be a very, you know, kind of depressing feeling. So it, it was these highs and lows of like, okay. oh, you're super smart, it's going well, to like, oh my God, like everything I've done is wrong because the math is just wrong. So I have to think of a new way, and then kind of this pressure situation. Now I got to think of either something else to do or a different way to do. Uh, what I was trying to, and and I think I just said uh, one day I uh, it occurred to me that I didn't have to be there, which sounds like a simple thing, but right. that it was that kind of realization. Then quickly after, I d- I decided like very quickly, like a few days, I was like to call my parents and say I wasn't going to continue on. Yeah. And it it, it was, it's not the most unusual thing. I think a number of students don't. I don't I don't know the graduation rates or the PhD graduation rates, but um. Uh, you know, a number of students uh, yeah. do what I did. But you were there a couple years? Yeah, I was there two, I guess three years actually. So two years to the master's and then a year into the, towards the PhD. So it was three years. So it's kind of a long time um, to, you know, to ultimately not get the the degree. Right. But, um, you know, I learned a lot of stuff. I enjoyed the time. It was, it was a cool school. Okay. Um, and then I wanted to start a a company. That's what I was. I, I really just wanted to start a company. I think okay. after that. Um, so, so that's what I was uh, trying to yeah. do. Okay. So is that something that you think had been brewing for a while? Had uh, you always had a plan to do that? Or? I, yeah, I think I wanted to do something that wasn't a normal job. Right. Or what I what I would. You knew consider. the nine to five yeah. wasn't for you. Yeah. It w- it wasn't so much. I think I knew I'd be okay. I think a lot of people have, like, they're opposed to the nine to five. Like, they couldn't do it, and I don't right. think that's me. Like, I, I could. In fact, I, I've done it. And I know I can. Um, but it's more like I would rather do. I, I kind of always have that thing pulling at me. So it's not. Right. I didn't. I didn't go into the, to the, to the entrepreneurship world because I hated the nine to five world. It's because I was really excited about the idea of starting a business. Right. Um, and did and, your, and did yeah. your parents um, were they entrepreneurs or they have nine to five jobs? What they no, do? No, yeah, my dad's a teacher and my mom's a nurse, so they okay. uh, they they had not done anything like this before. So I don't know where that came from. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't. I honestly don't know where that came from. But I but it did start, or I definitely remember thinking it in college. I don't know if it was. I don't know if I had thought about it before that. Okay. Um, so then what'd you do? What was the first step you took when you made that decision? I was kind of all over the place. I think I, I remember telling my roommates in Providence that I was leaving the program. I told them, I think that I was either going to develop this new kind of automatic backup service. Okay. Or I was going to start a restaurant. Okay. Yeah. I was, I don't know. I was kind of, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it seems kind so of. So you weren't even for sure that you wanted to do to start a company with like a programming background. Yeah. You just wanted to start a company and everything guess, was on the table. I guess so. I honestly okay. just forgot about that restaurant thing until, until just now. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, uh, that was probably more just like, I don't know, a thing, uh, like a mini right. phase. I think I did want to do something computer related. Okay. Um, but Okay. Yeah, there was that little detour into. I think I went to the library. I bought a, a like a business, but like how to 
the business guide to starting your restaurant or something like yeah. that and read about that. What kind of restaurant were you going to I don't know. Start? Dude, I don't think you, it got go that, that far. far huh? Yeah. But I didn't, I, I feel like maybe you and I one day we could start a, a pretty classy pizza joint. Pizza place? Yeah. No, Frank I don't know. No, I think we do. I don't think it'd be a pizza. If it was a pizza place, it would be, it's, it would, it would got to have a twist, you know? Yeah. I think it would, um, I don't know what it would be, but I bet we could think of something good. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. That sounds like a good plan to okay. me. Okay. Good. So then, but what did you do then? See that yeah. you left the library and thought, okay, no restaurant for me. What'd you end up doing? I, we founded me and my friend Kardec, you, you know him. Yep. Um, I called him up and cause he was the only guy I knew who I could maybe convince to do this. I said, you should quit the, quit your job and found this or start this, uh, backup software company with me okay and he eventually said okay and he quit his job okay um and so you're still on the east coast at this time or you yeah i was on the east coast still um and he was in uh los angeles i think and uh and um so we kind of worked on that and it, it fizzled um and uh I may have moved back. I think I basically then there, I, I moved back to LA and then started applying to jobs, um, regular jobs in okay. San Francisco. Okay. Um, and I moved up, up here to, okay. uh, it was, to, I got a job in Redwood city and worked there almost three years. And who was that with? That was called Merced systems. It okay. was a small company, um, enterprise software, kind of like Oracle or dealt with st- stuff like that. Um, okay. But it was good. I liked it. And you were just doing basic programming work for them? Yeah, it was, um, yeah. I mean, it was actually a really good chance to learn because I like knew about programming, but I had never really shipped something kind of right. big, you know, and that people would use. And so that, that was really helpful in like learning how to do that. I honestly thought I was a really good programmer and then I realized I was not before that, but I think that made me a lot better. So that was okay. nice. You learn how to work in teams too, because yeah. like you can't write a lot of programs yourself. Um, and so, you know, if two people, 10 people, whatever it is contributing to the same code base, that's, um, that can be tricky. Um, right. and so you learn how to do that. And there are like ways to make that a sane thing. If you don't do certain things, you have people like clobbering over what you did and it right. becomes a mess. Okay. So you did that for around three years? Almost three years, yeah. And I want to say July 2007, I left. Okay. Yeah. And what was your plan? I was, um, I had applied to Y Combinator. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's in a, it's a, like a C early stage investment company. And they were, they were just starting out. They were, they had maybe funded uh, a couple rounds of companies, but they're they're pretty big now, or they're very big now. And um, I applied to them with another friend, another friend from college, my friend Jesse, and we um, we were gonna make an app, so a, a program that would let anyone build their own web app. That was kind of the hot hot term of the day so it was before like native apps on phones were common right. it was like oh it's like a web page that did something more you know like um like Flickr to look at your photos or something like that so ours was going to be so that non-programmers could make their own web applications and we were very excited about this idea and uh we applied to y combinator we got the interview which was cool that's like you know like a pretty big step and then they met us and then they rejected us <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Um, yeah. So we flew out to Boston. Is that right? Yeah, we flew out to Boston too. Uh-huh. I mean, they pay. They compensated a few hundred bucks, but um, right. We flew out to Boston for a ten minute meeting and then got. They took a look at you and they said, "No, we don't." Yeah, it was. I mean, we we were so ill prepared; it was ridiculous. I almost cringed thinking about that. Yeah, we kind of came in with a couple sheets of paper. I had had a demo and I like deleted it, so maybe accidentally a few weeks before, and we were kind of in the process of rebuilding another one, but it wasn't done. And so we just kind of talked and drew some stuff on the whiteboard, and then yeah. Yeah, he, I, the main guy, Paul Graham, actually called. He he called people back then when it was a smaller thing, and he told people they were rejected. And uh, he said it was really close, so we actually maybe almost convinced him. Yeah, but uh, it was probably a good no on their part. I don't think we were quite ready, but we kept going. I, I think the idea is a tough one. It's it's it sounds cool, but it's um programming is kind of hard, you know. Yeah. And um, I don't know if it's inherently so i don't know that if i'm sure there are going to be ways that it's going to be made easier in the future especially with more people interested in it but um i think what we were doing kind of went out the wrong way and um but yeah so that was um the second maybe the second failed company okay yeah but three point, if you count the restaurant yeah but. at this point though are you pretty much sold on the fact that uh starting a company again this is the path you want to go down you're not going to go back to work for another company doing a nine to five type job, you're just going to keep. Um, I think out. I assumed at some point I would have to. Yeah. Cause I didn't want to be like poor or have, you know, have right. no money. I, I basically had savings from my, when I worked the three years um, and I'd saved up some money. And so I was, I was just paying myself with that. Yeah. Um, at some point that was going to run out. And actually it did. I, um, I don't remember the date. I, I have. I could look at my computer, um, but I took a screenshot of uh, my bank account, and it said like forty-seven cents in my checking account. And I don't know why I took a screenshot because it sounds like so depressing. But I yeah. feel like I probably figured I wouldn't always have forty-seven cents. I mean, for yeah. me, there was a, um, you know, it, it wasn't like I was really totally throwing myself out there with no recourse if something went wrong because I was confident I could get a job at a larger company, you know, as a programmer. So there was always that. And so that, that's actually a pretty powerful position to be in. It's like, okay, well I can go get a nice job and uh, make a good salary if this doesn't work out. So I think that was probably my plan, but I hoped certainly that it would work out. Okay. Um, Yeah. So Jesse and I tried that idea I think two more times. I think we maybe applied oh, really? with it three different times. We got rejected three times. Okay. Um, and yeah, so that was, I don't, we, we probably should have changed ideas or changed approaches or something. Right. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's sort of hard to see that when you're in it, it's, it's kind of hard to see. Yeah. Um, and so what, what year is this? Now, um, do you think after the third attempt with Jesse? What if, time uh, let's see, it was probably, 2000, maybe 2008 or seven. Let's see. Okay. What, what did I say? 2007. I probably should have prepped with some dates for you. Cause yeah. And we could look at the, well, cause I know I met you in 2009. Okay. And, and I had so already I'm, gone to iPhones type stuff yeah. and we could look at whenever yeah. the iPhone, um, SDK was announced. Right. Um, 
And I don't know if we can get your tech guy on that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's looking it up right now. <laughs> we'll look that up <laughs> later. Um, um, yeah, I'm trying to just get a point yeah. of reference I think, I think it's like for... 2000, I think it's 2008. I think when we applied to these things, I think they were pretty, they were like okay. every six months or something. And maybe we actually, we applied before I left Merced in July. So that was probably the first. And then maybe half a year later at the end of 2007, then maybe halfway to two through 2008 was our last rejection. I'm guessing somewhere around there was the iPhone SDK was announced. Yeah. And so I had stopped doing stuff with Jesse. Um, I was just trying to make some cash. I was going on Craigslist to uh, sell my body. No. <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, that's not true. Um, to program stuff for people. But that's like, if you know anything about programming you know that that would be the worst place to get programming jobs because you're right. completely going to be underpaid and then there's like a huge startup cost of figuring to dealing with the person and figuring out what they want but at that that was what i needed to like be able to keep trying this stuff without totally running out of money um, right so you know i'd make a few hundred bucks here and there and uh and then the iPhone SDK was announced. That SDK is like software development kit. That's right. um, Steve Jobs had the big keynote. It wasn't the original iPhone keynote, but it was where the one where he said, hey, we're going to have an app store and anyone can write an app. And that was like pretty big news. And uh, my friend Kardik, actually, uh, the one who I did the first, the backup, the failed backup company with, he, he I remember he emailed me and said, you should watch, I hadn't watched the keynote yet. And so you should watch the keynote. This seems like it's going to be big, the iPhone. And <laughs> you should probably do something. Because right. he knew I like didn't have a job yeah, and yeah. stuff. Um, so I think he was right about it. I think he was right on the money there. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah. And so, so then you, so you watched that. Yeah. And you said, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And what was your first um, uh, That was, after? I was working with another guy and... We were just going through different ideas. Most of them, I think, were iPhone related. Yeah. And we settled on an app that would be called Scribular. Okay. Which is, its slogan was, oh God, what was its slogan? Where, you have to be there. I really like, like, okay. you have to be there. Scribular, you have to be there. Yeah. Okay. It, was a, it was a location. I guess it sounds a little lamer when you say it out loud, but when you read it on the webpage, it was really cool. Yeah, I like it. Um, okay, good. And uh, it was location-based. It was sort of like Foursquare before Foursquare. Um, but you would, instead of just checking in, you would leave a note about a place, like a, a piece of information, like, oh, I like the pie here, or the bathroom code is one, two, three, four, or you know, whatever. And we imagine just all these notes left around the world, these virtual notes, um, tidbits of information kind of organized. Mm-hmm. And uh, that sounded really cool. So that's what we did. Yeah. Was anybody... Were there any apps out there with check-ins at the time? Or no, was that relatively a new thing? I think Foursquare, you know, if you could say invented, yeah. invented the check-in, at least the term. I, I will say that we thought of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we thought of it in terms of the Facebook poke. So if you remember that, it was like, you know, you could poke people on Facebook. But right. it was just like, you could think of it as a, a one-bit message. It's just there. That is that is the message itself, right. right? And so with a check-in, it's kind of the same thing. It's just saying, there's no note attached. It's just saying, I was here. We thought it was stupid, though, so we didn't do that. Right. We probably should have just done that. Yeah. It would have been a lot better. That Making people write a note was too much work. Um, you want to make lazy. it easy. People yeah. are too lazy, yeah. yeah. Um, and we, we made it even worse. We had this like really complicated 
like threaded discussions. So it's like you could reply to people and it would show it indented. So you could have these conversations and they'd be kind of like just hard to read. Like mm-hmm. we should have just done a simple list of, uh, um, you know, comments. And, and that was actually me. That was, I remember that was my fault. I was like, no, it has to be a threat. Cause this is all about the, I thought the discussions, I thought right. that's what it would be about. You but. thought people were going to want to go to these places, put some discussions yeah. on there and the next person would come add to it and grow into these giant conversations. Yeah. 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 And, and they'd be really like valuable and, and stuff right. like that. So were people using it? They, they were for a while. I had like, I don't know, my 15 minutes of fame with that was probably like a couple weeks long. Like it, it got in the store. I missed the launch because I couldn't figure out how to install it. Uh, to, to to like submit it to Apple for approval. Right. And I missed the launch by a few hours. So they said, get it in by this date. And if we approve it, it'll be in the app store on day one. And I, it was so frustrating. I gave myself a couple hours to do it and I couldn't figure out mm-hmm. how to do it. Um, it, was, it was a lot tougher than it is now, I think. Um, but uh, so I missed that. So it was actually there, I think maybe a week at, after the app store launch, but it was still in the very beginning. There weren't many apps out there. Right. So people found this one. And there was a while, it was pretty cool. You could just reload the page and every, I don't know, every 30 seconds, you could probably, you would see a new note pop up from somewhere in the world yeah. and that, and someone writing something. And that was some, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I my dad, I remember would he would watch this. He's very supportive of yeah. all my projects and he would reload it and he would sometimes call me and said, uh, Rob, you better look at the page. Someone wrote something, uh, might be pretty inappropriate. <laughs> you might want to, uh edit that down yeah. as, you know, saying something terrible or something. So I found out there's, we needed some sort of spam detection too, but this, right. our spam filter was just me, uh, or one of us, uh, deleting them at yeah. that point. Yeah. Do you remember any very memorable notes that people left? Was there any that left an impression on you that you thought were funny? There, or great there was, or? I thought I wasn't gonna be, when you said yeah. that, I was like, Oh no, God, I don't remember. But there was one. Um, yeah. I forgot about this until now. The, uh, this guy started leaving these mysterious notes and it, and you, you realized after reading them, they were very long. Like most notes are like a few words long and these were like a paragraph or two. Uh Um, and they were letters to his girlfriend. Mm. Crystal was her name. I forget what the guy's name was, but, uh, and he was, it was like a scavenger hunt and he was leading her through their favorite parts of Sacramento. And, um, and at the end, he proposed to her. Oh, on wow. Yeah. Um, and the Sacramento Bee called me, um, the newspaper in Sacramento. Right. And I, um, I, I don't know, I interviewed him or something. I mean, I, I answered a couple questions for the interview. The, the, the guy thought it was an interesting story. So they did it about Scribbler yeah. and this guy's engagement. She, she, she said yes and whatnot. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is really cool. Yeah. So Scribula will live on for the rest of their lives. Yeah, they'll they'll always remember. Always and we, we, I, he actually invited me to the wedding. I should have oh, gone. I, don't, I, I had something to do, but I, whatever it was, I should have canceled it. Yeah. Um, so I didn't go. But um, I think his name was Dan. Um, but uh, yeah. I hope. Yeah. Do you, know, do you have any idea how many people were using this thing? Like how many downloads it got or how many users um, you guys had on there? Uh, I don't know. I would say like a few thousand downloads, maybe. Okay maybe 10,000 downloads in its lifetime. Okay. Something like that. And so, so you guys had this going. Yeah. Um, we actually start, the other guy actually left. So it was actually just me okay. when it launched. Okay. Um, and then how long after you guys launched Scribbler did uh, Foursquare come out? 
God, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. It was a, I think it was a little while later. Yeah. I don't think they were there at the beginning. Um, but that thing was, Foursquare was super polished. Um, yeah. It was a big team. They had a lot of money. Um, and they realized that, make it simple, you know? Right. Like, I could totally see Scribular having been much more popular if it was just like, right. and I was here, you get a map of where you were. Like, we could have gone from there, and that could have been cool. Did you uh, uh, did you feel like you had missed out on the big one? Um, like you had come really close to no. I mean, maybe a little bit, but I don't usually do much of that. Like, oh, I had that idea first because it it's like you know there, there, there's so much difference between the idea and the execution. Now in this particular case, I did start executing it, so maybe right. it was like, but it, it was really just frustration towards. I probably should have just been more thoughtful about the process, you know, like right. what, what are people really going to do? You know, I'm not sure I stopped and think thought and imagined um, what people would do. And maybe I would have, you know, made something better. I mean, that said Foursquare is now having some trouble, but obviously they've been, you know, have a ton of users and, and got yeah. pretty successful. Um, yeah. It's one of the front page apps. Oh, I would say on the phone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so this is, I think it's around the time I met you. Okay. Um, yeah. cause I remember you telling me these stories. What, what I always think about when I think about meeting you and becoming friends with you is, uh, that car ride we took back from, uh, the Trinity Alps. Yeah. I was, I was new to the city. I was looking to meet friends. I went back on a backpacking trip with you and, and Kim and Andy and, uh, that was it, Mar right? Mary. Oh, Mary as well. Yeah. And, uh, Apollo. And Apollo, for sure. He, he rode up there with me, um, Mary and Andy's dog. Um, but I remember, you know, we left, we kind of got split off. You and I ended up in the car ride together, and you kind of told me a lot of these kind of the stories. And, okay. and for me, I was just moving here from, I had just moved here from Louisiana. Yeah. You know, and so I had just got an iPhone probably, I don't know, six months before that. Right. So the whole idea of, um, you know, somebody who, when you're telling me I'm going to make my career, my job, an app writer, I thought that was a pretty novel and cool concept at the time. Yeah. And I remember you being like, a, I thought of you as a, looking back on it now, like a struggling app writer <laughs> who was just trying to make it, trying to find like the big app out there. Yeah. I, I think I was, I yeah. think you, I think you were, <laughs> you were right. I think, I don't know if I knew, do you think I knew I was struggling? I don't even remember. Like, I think it was a, it was an interesting time because I was, I don't think I was like depressed yeah. or anything, but I think no, I no, was. No, no, no. Maybe struggling is the wrong word. Um, it, you could just tell you were, you were excited about it. Yeah. It was early on, you know, everything wasn't like perfectly working, yeah. Yeah. but, uh, you know, I could tell that something was going to work out for you. I mean, you seem to have a real like passion around it for sure. Yeah. So, so what, what did you do after Scribular? After Scribular... Um, I, I think I was running out of money again. I went to this group, which I'd been to a couple times. It's the, uh, it was called like the Palo Alto iPhone users group, something like that, uh, ran by a guy named Tim Burks. Um, he's a nice guy and, uh, he's been doing these things a while now. And, uh, this was in the early days and I met a guy, Mark Johnson, who would become my business partner, but we were just, uh, you know, just networking. I don't even know if we talked about much. We like exchanged business cards. And I said that I liked 
the look of his business card and like yeah. where did he get him? I think that was the extent of our uh, technical discussion. Right. Um, but uh, he emailed me to have coffee uh, the next week. I think this was probably 2009, early 2009 or late right. 2008. I forget. Um, and um, yeah, so uh, we met, and it turns out he had a client like that who had emailed him through LinkedIn that wanted an iPhone app written for mm-hmm. his uh, for their business. And so his idea was to become like a, a big, like the consulting company for iPhone apps. You know, So all these iPhones are getting popular. Businesses are going to want iPhone apps. They don't know how to build them themselves or don't have the resources to. So we're going to be the consulting agency that helps you build your iPhone app. Right. And so, uh, so we ended up getting this, but he wanted someone to help, right? So he didn't have, he didn't think he could do it just himself. So him and I got together and, uh, decided to take on this first client. And I think the timing was right. I don't know. That may have been when I snapped the 47 cent yeah. chase checking account uh-huh. screenshot. Um, and, uh, so I think the timing was right. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's, let's try this out. And, uh, that worked. It was actually, it's, it's like, uh. It wasn't, we kept having all these strategies for like how we're going to do sales and how we're going to generate leads and stuff like that. But we never, the market was so hot, like iPhones became so, so popular that we never got to the time where we had to like look for our next client. It was always email after email or, or call after call. And we'd, you know, chat with some of them and, you know, take on some of the jobs. Right. So it was kind of like, you know, easy pickings for a while. As much work as you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was only two of us. So we had to decide, are we going to, you know, you can't, you only have so many hours in a day. Like, and how do you, um, and it's also sort of hard to bill for a few, you know, when you're billing hours, it's hard to bill like for a full, say eight hours a day. You know, I felt right. feel like eight hours of billing is probably like a 12 hour day or something like that. Just cause there's like downtime and some, and whatnot, uh, yeah. stuff you really can't bill for. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, so we needed to figure out how, how are we going to scale? Is that something we want to do? That's, that's kind of what we were asking. Okay. So that seems to be going pretty well, but yeah. then you still wanted to keep pursuing the new app idea, I imagine. Yeah. Right. Um, we did, we would, we built, um, a few apps on the side. Um, I don't remember, I don't know what our intentions exactly were with that. I, we probably wanted to get a hit, you know? Right. Um, but I don't remember if we just wanted it to like supplement our income from the consulting or if we wanted to use it to stop consulting. But I say it's, I'd say at some point we decided that consulting isn't exactly what we wanted to do. We'd rather have, you you might call it a product company, you know, where we Mm -hmm. make a product and we sell that, um, in certain ways rather than hustling the deal and because even if the deal comes in, in the door, you still, there's still a hustle. There's still a, you still got to talk to them and make sure it's the right fit. Make sure they're a good client. Make sure they're going to pay. Make sure the budgets make sense and their mm-hmm. expectations. All that stuff takes time. You don't get paid for it. Um, and the idea of the product is that you own. You you know you it's 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 the dream of making money while you sleep. You know that right. you that you read about in in advertisements on inter- cheesy internet sites. You right. know? Um, so we probably had that going on. So we were we were working on a few apps, and the first one we wrote together. It was also actually, I think this is maybe like before we even started on the client or very early on, we did it over a weekend, I think. And it was called, I think it was Mark's idea and it was called Duck You Undo. 
Duck you under. Yeah. Okay. And it's a play on the F word. I don't know. Are we doing that on this podcast? <laughs> um, and uh, if you didn't get that, then yeah, yeah, but hopefully that was obvious because that was the idea in the, in the marketing of this uh, this uh, app. And it was a uh, it was it was back. It was kind of like cash trying to cash in on the trend of like people hating autocorrect and like how it always messed up your texts or something like that. Yeah. And um, so this kind of added some functionality while you were texting or emailing, and it would show if Apple autocorrected what you wrote, it would remember that. And, and so you could with one button, like change it back to the F word instead of duck. Ah, yeah. very convenient. Yeah. Very convenient. Really convenient. Yeah. Except not really because you had to remember to run duck you undo first. Right. So you're, you're writing a Before text. Before every text. Yeah. Which you would okay. never do. The way, how do you text? You go into your text messages and look, see what text you have. And then you respond to them. Right. Yeah. Kind of thing. Or, right. or, or like you, you're not going to go to duck you undo first. Um, so I don't, that one, I mean, it was, you know, some people download, I think we charged a dollar for it. I don't, I don't think, uh, many people bought it. All right. Didn't you guys also do a, uh, like a Facebook Mm -hmm. app? Yeah. I think that was our second one and it was called many different things, but it started off being called Facebook focus. Okay. And we thought that was going to be big. That was going to be, so there were like a million different Twitter clients, you know, like, because Twitter, I think didn't have their own in the beginning. So right. Twitter had the Twitter.com, but it didn't have a an app. I, I okay. believe I'm remembering that right. And so there were all these like Twitter clones. There were probably like 20 of them. And but there was only one Facebook app to look at Facebook, and that was the Facebook app from right. Facebook. Right. And so we thought, well, they, they 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 just launched this API that let you kind of access people's news feeds and stuff with you know with permission from the user. And we thought, well, what if we could do a more streamlined kind of approach of looking at it and our kind of like selling point different differentiating point was uh this thing we called app spam so it's like you have your spam filter on right. email this is the spam filter for facebook okay so it would it was back when games were like really popular on facebook and also like very present in your news feed yeah and so this such would such just automatically yeah. yeah exactly yeah mm-hmm. farmville whatnot and this would automatically put them in a folder so it didn't clutter up your your view and then you just look through it and you press a button and it marks everything as red and then, then you know you're done looking at yeah. your feed. Um, I remember that one. I like that one because yeah. I always knew where to pick up. Yeah, that's right. You were a user. You I were was one a of user, the users. But then, yeah. I always, yeah. then I felt bad when I went back to the to the original Facebook. Yeah, app. well, I we didn't d- want to tell you about it. We didn't. We, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> we didn't keep up with it. I, I think most of my friends don't use any yeah. of my apps, and I, it's just it's it's but funny I, that doesn't. Uh, that one did take off though, didn't it? I mean, you guys got quite a few downloads. Yeah, on that one did. I think we got. I think the night we went out that one night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we uh we were saying two hundred thousand, or you were at least, yeah. and I think that was true. Okay, um, so I think we had two hundred thousand downloads. Um, and at ten dollars a pop, what is that? Two hundred thousand. It was a free app, yeah, so unfortunately, good, yeah. uh, uh, we didn't get any money for that. Well, we had some ads, but um, yeah, yeah, it kind of took off, and then did you ever hear from Facebook? Uh. Yes. Like positive or negative? No, did we? No, we definitely never heard anything positive. I don't think we ever heard from Facebook. I, yeah. I c- could be misremembering, but we did change it a couple times. We changed it to like uh, proactively change it to f- uh, focus for Facebook. Yeah. And that sort of became the way people wrote apps. So to let them know that it wasn't by Facebook, but um, 
that it was that you needed, you know, that was Facebook related. Right. That was important um, in the app. And I think fa- having Facebook Focus as the name that made it really popular, but it made us to understand why why a company does need to defend their trademark. And I think we were right to switch the name, even though it was less popular. And right. we saw it, like people would email us asking us for like just regular Facebook support <laughs> questions. You know, right. they clearly, some people, not not most people even, but some people were confused. Like right. they thought we were Facebook. Right. Um, yeah. That'd be pretty entertaining. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of, we got a lot of emails. And then the, at the end of it, after we had stopped developing, it got, Take, picked up a little bit by the blind community. That oh. was an unexpected twist in the life of that app. Um, ours, we just added, you can add some tags where you just say like, oh, this, you, you label stuff in your app. And then the iOS software knows how to, for example, like read it out loud. If you're blind, right. you can turn on this feature. So it happened that our app worked because we added those things worked much better for blind readers than Facebook's own app. They weren't. Okay. They didn't do a good job with that for whatever reason. So for a while after, um, we it was like blind users used it. And it was like written up in some like blind blogs and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So that was kind of cool. And we felt a little bad that we had abandoned it. So I think we did like another version. We fixed up some stuff, but eventually we we really did stop. And Facebook, I think, uh, got their act together and and made it more accessible to blind right. people too. Okay. So when did you uh, get into the hit tennis thing? How'd that come to hit be? Hit tennis, yeah. Um, so Mark, that really was all. I mean, like it's 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 credit to Mark. He was writing hit tennis number one. It, of course, was it was just called hit tennis before we even started working together. Like oh, okay. we had met, but I don't think we had officially like done our first client or anything. And he was waiting for Apple to approve some other app of his. He was doing a calling card app because he would like call back to England found some inefficiencies with that system. He wanted to write an app about it. So while he was working on that, he wrote a demo kind of like, oh, it'd be cool to have a tennis game that you play with your finger. You know, you hit the ball with your finger or hit, or in that case it was move a racket with your finger to hit the ball. And uh, so that was Hit Tennis 1 and he released it. And it did, you know, it got some write-ups. It got some interest from, you know, like blogs. Uh, They thought it was pretty cool. Um, I don't know how much he's made, but I think... uh, you know, ten or twenty thousand dollars, maybe, or something hmm. like that. He's, I think he sold it for a dollar ninety nine. But it was back in the day when you could do that. There were just weren't as many games, right? Um, and it wasn't a full game. It was more like a demo, like you could play, kind of one round, and that was it. It yeah. didn't have just hit the ball back and forth. Yeah, it didn't really have a full game. So he had the idea, and I honestly thought it was kind of crazy. But he, Mark, really follows the like kind of trends in the blogs of the business, and he had the idea to, um. Uh, make it free like expand it and turn it into a a real game like mm-hmm. a full kind of fleshed out game with scoring and stuff right. like that new opponents and stuff and, and whatnot and to make it free and then have things in the game which you charge for which it's become known as freemium now i don't know if it was then okay and that um that was turned out to be i i don't know that i thought it was a great idea but i thought sure that's cool that he's inviting me into this hit tennis project i thought he made a pretty cool game yeah and so and i was excited about kind of taking what he had done and turning it into a full game yeah and i think mark was excited that i was excited about that because he was probably feeling like he didn't want to start you know big projects are sometimes intimidating so you bring on someone else so right. so together we we pushed out the game and um 
it was, uh, we pushed it out as a, just, we were done. So we, we launched it, but it wasn't like a launch. We just like flipped the switch on the app store. And, um, in April, which I think is when it came out. So like, I think it was like a week or two later. Um, it just shot up the charts. It went to number two in the U S free games. Wow. Um, so that was huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, it felt great. Yeah. We, we were at a conference at the time, like this app developer conference. Uh-huh. So we felt like hot shots with, yeah. uh, you know, at the number people, two app. Did people know. I think we'd mention it. I think we'd casually mention it to him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think. I don't. Have you played the tennis? I, I don't think. I, I mean, I think it is. It, it does help when you're like chatting with other people. Like, it, you do see a little bit. Like, people will. Oh, okay. Yeah. You got number two app. I'm going to pay attention or something. Or like, I'm going to know right. you or something like that. Um, but uh, I don't remember what what the number one was at the time. But uh, okay. we never got to number one in in the U.S. Right. Um, uh, so that, but that you was knew cool. you were onto something. Yeah. Oh, except yeah. except I forgot the most important part, which is that we had no, we hadn't yet put anything to charge money. Like we hadn't put anything you could buy, and we didn't have any ads in the game. So there was literally no way we could make money uh-huh. off the. And then it was like we were getting a hundred thousand downloads a day. Like by the end of the conference, we had a million downloads, something like that. Wow. Um, it was. And we had nothing. So I remember we stayed up late, like in the hotel room while we were there and like, just like added ads and like ship that. Cause people were like, yeah, what are you doing guys? You should throw <laughs> some ads up there. Um, so, uh, we did that. Um, eventually we kind of iterated on it and, uh, yeah, I don't, th- I don't think hit tennis two never got up to number two again. So we kind of lost that opportunity, mm-hmm. but, um, but it was still cool. We were making enough money that we toned down it. We didn't quite quit consulting, but we like, we like stopped taking on new clients basically. Right. So we were like halfway, um, towards just working on our own stuff, which was yeah. cool. And then, uh, that became the focus yeah. um, of the company. You guys just kept growing that. And, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, I think it was, it was hard. It wasn't like growing. Like we were like, Oh, this, you know, if we have, in games you're getting so many people like people come in but then they like you know you lose them after a while even people who like the game excuse me eventually you're done with it you know and you don't want to play anymore so there's a there's a big churn factor um so it's definitely not like we're growing it like something like facebook you know is growing such that now like you know 90 percent of the world or 60 percent or whatever it is has a facebook account you know up from the early days when it was just harvard right um us for us it's been like these bursts and then we kind of like stable we always have new downloads coming in but then there's always people leaving so it's kind of just right can we can we make money you know, on the, on the, on on those people while we have them. And sometimes that's just by, you know, making them stay longer. Um, maybe they'll tell a friend, um, uh, very few people actually spend money in the game. Um, so, and we, we try to make it an enjoyable experience for people who don't spend money too, because that's, that's the majority of people. Um, maybe they'll click on an ad and maybe they'll, or maybe they'll show someone the game who does spend money. So as a stream of income, is it something that's steadily kind of is walking up over time or is it's more just these like bursts you get 
yeah. is like cyclical type of thing. Uh, I, it, it's cyclical to some yeah. extent, certainly. Um, there's a definite Wimbledon factor um, yeah. where it would kind when of spike. Happens, yeah. yeah, it's and it's it's definitely not the first thing you said where it's like constantly growing. Like that would be awesome, but it's that's not the case. Yeah. Um, it's you know the it, it the money it kind of flattens out like our, yeah. our daily rate kind of stays stable ish if you look for like a couple week period but yeah. actually in the long view it goes down just a little bit and mm-hmm. I think that's really about games or maybe everything right you know you move on to something else right so so we you know we we put out new versions we've definitely done things to like there was there was actually a moment with hit tennis too where we um we added a bunch of features and that like that like bumped us into a new level and and we hadn't we never really came down from that you know like you'd still see the trend of it going slightly down like in the long view in the like six month view or something but um but we were starting from a much higher point you know in a a daily kind of rate so that was cool and i think that was the moment where we were like we could actually stop consulting right now. Right. Now, I think at that time we thought it would grow or we'd be able to write another game easily. And then like, oh, you're making this much money with one game. So you write another game and now it's two times as much right. money. And then you write another and it's three times as much money. And they're all, you're making money from all of them at the same time. Right. But we haven't been, it, it hasn't worked like that for us. Right. For one, pretty much the tennis series has been our main breadwinner. We've had a, a minor success with a, a texting app we have, mm-hmm. but um, we haven't been able to find like another hit game or another game that makes, you know, a, a good amount of money. And, and, and we're looking for it, but we're also not gonna, we also have this tennis thing that we don't, we're not just gonna let it be. We're gonna right. see how far, how far it goes, you know? Right. Yeah. So I guess the first app you ever worked on, Scribbler. Yeah. So I had a couple thousand downloads. Yeah. Hit tennis. What are you guys up to now? I should have looked at the. I would. I would say probably thirty-five million downloads. Wow. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's something like that. And that's that, if you count two and three. You know, three has more than two. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's millions of downloads, which is yeah. cool. Um, How does that feel to, to tell people that? <laughs> I usually just make a joke about it because I think yeah. when I tell people that, they assume that means I have thirty-five million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, which is not the case. Um, but, uh, but it's cool. I mean, that's, that's, it, it is cool to have written something that so many people have played. Now we've had people who yeah. have completely hated our game, right. but we do, we have people who like it, like it's four and a half star app now. And we have, um, some people have really liked, like one person said they emailed us and I think it was sounded sincere. They said they broke both of their arms. They're an avid tennis player. They broke both of their arms and, uh, but they could still use their thumbs. And so it meant they could play tennis thanks to hit tennis. Wow. So that great. was cool. Yeah. Have you ever heard from a tennis player? Um, a pro tennis player? No. Uh-uh. No? no pro tennis right. players. We, were, we need to get Sharapova using I, this thing. I know. You'd think there'd be someone. In fact, it's not even just uh, uh, not hearing from a pro tennis player. I've also never seen anyone play my game that like wasn't you know, connected yeah. to me or like wouldn't be you know, playing it for my sake. But yeah. I, I, you'd think on a bus maybe somewhere, like there's 35 million people who download, you'd think yeah. on a bus I'd see it. Right. Um, I look on the shoulder, you know, I'll see a temple run, I'll see Angry Birds. Uh, yeah, kind of, that'd be kind of like a, uh, 
I guess a new artist hearing their song on the radio for the first yes. time. This is what you yes. want to see. Well, I tell you what, my uh, my nine year old niece plays it, and uh, with the first time she beat Diego, uh, the girl went nuts. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let me ask you this: say, So you're at say you're at Starbucks. Yeah. You got your computer out. You're you know writing some code to polish up, hit tennis. Yeah. Um, some some young buck. Uh, Johnny Apprider kind of walks by, sees what you're doing over your shoulder, realizes you're the creator of Hit Tennis 3, yeah. co-creator of Hit Tennis 3, uh, and asks you for some advice. Yeah. He, he tells you he wants to write some apps. He wants to, he wants to get a big app one day. Okay. Well, what's your advice to, to young people out there okay. that are looking to make a career out of this? Well, first off, that has never happened. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't think that ever would happen because it seems like a lot, but there there's... I think there are th- there are apps that are like have gotten less download exposure, but have been more more notoriety, more no- yeah. yeah, yeah, more uh, fame or whatnot. Um, and so ours definitely ours basically, except for some very early day blog hits with um, Hit Tennis, the original back yeah. when it, everything was so novel. You know, the press has essentially ignored us. You know, Scribbler right. got that Sacramento Bee article we've never had anything like that with head tennis right. so that would never happen but okay. i can still answer the question when i'm talking to him what's his name johnny johnny app johnny app okay yeah. so john may I call you john um I, i'd first get a sense of his experience level because yeah. if it's just um if they don't know how to program i think that's that's kind of your your first problem and right. it doesn't it's not an insurmountable problem certainly but i think then you have to decide are you going to learn how to program or are you going to uh hire someone to help you and a, a lot of people have been successful with the hiring thing um we're kind of envious of those people because we're mark and i are both programmers and i think that makes it so that we were a little more scared to hire out that part of the process. It's almost like mm-hmm. we know too much. It hurts us. But if we didn't right. know how to program, we'd have to. So we just do it. But I have seen people, there's a lot of pitfalls with the hiring out um, thing. So you got to be careful that you kind of get the right deal on the right person. And because you could get the situation where, in fact, you will get into the situation where the person writes the app for you and they hand it back and you're like, okay, this needs changes. And right. they could be big changes or they could be, you know, you, you were onto the right track, but it still like needs to be adjusted in these 20 different ways. But no way is that app going to be just ready to go. Mm-hmm. Like that's not the way software works. It's not like building a bridge. Um, I don't know anything about bridge building, but I'm pretty sure they just, they make a design, they build it and it's going to hold cars. Right. Um, I don't think they're changing at last minute, but for whatever reason, software is different and you feel it in your hands. You know, you're pressing on it if it's if it's the iPhone and you're interacting with it and you realize it's different than when you thought. It's not as fun or it's not as good or it needs to be. This small part of it is good, but and so you need to change the direction of your app. And if you don't have access to that guy or girl who programmed it for you, then you're kind of stuck. And I've seen that happen to people. Right. So you got to be careful with that if you take the path of um, of hiring someone. So make sure they're available. Make sure you can afford them to have them keep coming back. You know, for 
for right. changes. Um, and one way to, to be able to afford them is to give them equity in your company. But that's right. a lot of programmers will be like, I don't want equity in your crap idea. You know, pay me whatever money right. and I'll do it for you. So, you know, you got to you got to strike the right deal. Right. Now, if they're going to make advice to AppRite, I think it's tough. I'd probably like demotivate them a little bit with this conversation with Johnny, I'm realizing. Um, but I would encourage everyone. I think it's going to be, and this is not an, a unique thought on my part, but I think going forward, you know, every year it's going to be more important for people to know how to program. Right. Even for people that aren't going to be programmers. And so that's probably a noble thing to, or a useful thing to, to do. So you might want to start out there. Um, if they're going to go for a game, I would probably have some specific ideas. There's ways you could, there's some environments, there's things like unity, which, which are a little more accessible, um, than, kind of the raw app system, which is called right. Xcode. That, that might be a little intense for uh, for new people. But um, I think it's kind of a long road. Right. Um, it helps to have, you know, I had it easy. I started when I was seven and I, you know, went really slow, but it didn't matter that I went slow because I was so young. Right. Um, so now it's almost hard to, it's not, I don't have the problem where I think it's so, oh, it, this is so easy. You know, when I look at someone, if I see someone trying to program, I don't think, oh my God, this is so easy. I can't believe you do that. It's not that at all. I'm like, God, this, I'm realizing now how many different ideas came together in order to be able to write that line of code. So it's like, this is so hard. Like it's, I'm lucky that I learned this, you know? Right. And, and it's, it's almost like learning a language when you're a kid, you know, it's, it's easy. Right. And then it's really hard when you, when you grow up. Yeah. So that makes sense. So I don't think I didn't really motivate Johnny, did I? Well, I think, I think he, you kept it real. I kept it real. I think Johnny yeah. appreciates yeah. that. Yeah. He wanted some some candor. Yeah. Um, do you get people that ask you? Uh, do people have? Do people come to you and say, hey, "I have an idea for an app"? Yes. Um, a lot. Yes. Will you write it for me? Um, they say the line is, um, <laughs> "I have this idea." Um, sometimes it's, "I have this idea, but I don't want to tell you." Those that confuses me. That okay. conversation. But yeah, no, the line isn't, "Will you write it for me directly?" I mean, I, I suppose it is, but it's, they put I'll it give you 50%. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have I this idea, yeah. you'll write it for me and I'll yeah. give you 50%. Yeah. yeah. But what I tend to do with those, because I like being encouraging. Yeah. I like keeping it real, as yeah. you noted, but right. I like being encouraging or, or at least to give them a path towards success. Yeah. Um, I first tell them, we're, you know, I'm probably not going to, not going to do it myself, but, um, I give them my thoughts on the idea, but then tell them how they might be able to pursue it themselves. Right. And I, assuming they're not a programmer, um, and that's usually people who say I have this idea for an app are usually not programmers. Yeah, um, or they just go do it. Right. Um, they or, or yeah, yeah. The conversation would be different, right? With right. the hey, what do you think? Like we're thinking of building this. Might might say, right. what do you think about that? Um, I'll try to. I'll say like, well, here's you know, you actually can for like you know, a few thousand bucks, you could probably get a prototype if you went on the cheap, you know, like a, with a foreign developer or something, you might be able to get a prototype out. You, you know, this is feasible to do. Right. But I think that's probably not what most people want to hear. Right. Um, yeah. I hear you. Let me ask you this. Um, so I read a lot in the newspapers about, you know, all the techies invading San Francisco and it's yeah. changing the city. Um, 
do you notice you've been here in the tech industry for and living in San Francisco for how many years now? Uh, I moved here September 2004. Okay, so in the in 10 years, 10 years yeah. do you notice a big difference? Has um, it really accelerate, accelerated the last couple of years, or is this... It's, it's cooler. I feel like it's cooler to start a company now. And yeah. I feel like more people are like, I'm going to start a company. Yeah. Um, but it also felt like that, like when I was starting a company, it felt the same way in that like, it's getting cool to start and acceptable to start yeah. a company. So I think it's even more so now. So that trend continues. It's like every year it gets more people kind of want maybe the Silicon Valley dream yeah. um, of, you know, starting a company and like Mark Zuckerberg and becoming super right. rich and stuff. Um, I don't know if I've noticed the changes. I mean, the rents seem to be pretty insane here. Yeah. Um, that's the thing I worry about a little bit um, because, you know, at some point all the, you know, if everyone's in the tech country, everyone's a, a person who succeeded right. in the tech industry. And it, and that could, if you took this to the extreme, maybe that's what it is, you know, and they're multi-million dollar houses, successful people, then, you know, who who's going to work at, even at the, the regular tech jobs? Who's going to you know, run the cool bars, you know, that we like, like hanging out in San Francisco for the, like that right. new restaurant or something like that. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's going to be a problem, but like, I mean, I hear, you know, there's people like, you know, smashing the buses, the Google buses. I'm, that confuses me a little bit. It's yeah. probably a topic for a future show, yeah. but, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I, I, I guess the rent is the, is the main thing I've noticed. Yeah. And, and just that it's, it, it seems like it's more people um, yeah. doing, yeah, kind of doing this thing, which which doesn't bother me. Like that in itself doesn't bother me. I think that's kind of cool. Like when I yeah. go to a, a coffee place, like it's 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 fun how common it is to see two people starting up, you know, mm -hmm. discussing an idea. They're just at the beginning. They're like really excited about it and stuff. And that's, I like that. It's fun. Yeah. So you're moving to New York soon. Yeah. I like San Francisco uh, so much yeah. that I'm moving across yeah. the country. So in about a week. Yeah, so a week and a half. What is today? Wednesday? Right? Today's so Wednesday. we leave um, Friday. Next yeah. Wednesday, the movers come. Yep. Yeah. And what do you what do you think you'll miss most about San Francisco? What do you love uh, about it here? I think the thing I'll miss most, I won't know until I'm gone. But right. I will still answer your question. So the things I maybe if, if I had to guess, even though I know I'll be wrong, yeah. because I've, I've been in situations like this before. And it's always like some random thing. You're like, oh, I really want to go to that place, you know, that I went to once. And it just occurred to me again. I like that vibe. But um, lately, I've really been liking Chrissy Field, just that like, excuse me, that new wetlands kind of a newish wetlands area right. they have with the bridge and the water. And you see the like the beaches right there. Egrets yeah. and the beaches there and the Golden Gate Bridge and the, um, it's just a really nice area. So I like kind of jogs there. Like those, I think those will be, will be missed. Yeah. Um, I like, uh, I haven't been eating, we haven't been eating out a lot. I think we've been kind of intentionally like trying to eat a little healthier. And so I feel like I haven't gone to too many restaurants, right. um, lately. I think in a good way, you know, um, but, Knob Hill Cafe, I just love that little neighborhood spot. It's, right. it's by Grace Cathedral. Um, real simple, you know. It's not like it's not the fanciest. It's not like 
they're not trying too much any experimental stuff, but it's just got a cozy atmosphere. And um, yeah, I like that place too. Yeah. Nice neighborhood vibe. Very new, and, and it's kind of unexpected. That it, it almost like makes a little neighborhood in those two blocks or something. Right. Um, we went to. I haven't. I've only been here once, so it's hard, it's hard to say that I'd miss this. But uh, it was just such a San Francisco restaurant that I think. I'll miss it in that sense. Like it, it kind of summed up San Francisco, which was like um, Rich Table. Have you been there? Yeah, I have. Um, I just thought that was, it, it had this casual vibe, but they were serving really good food, trying interesting stuff in a really kind of relaxed presentation. Not, I would almost say sloppy just because I can't think of another word, but it yeah. wasn't that at all. It was just like, they were, it was just about the food. They weren't like hyping it up. Um, or I mean, they, they weren't like proofing it up or something. Um, and I just, it was like really tasty stuff in a cozy environment, like yeah. a little, you know, a little expensive, like a lot of, yeah. um, restaurants are, but, um, yeah. I had that, a great experience there. That was one of the hottest new places a couple of years ago. I remember reading Michael Bauer's article on it Okay, yeah. and, uh, there's very few places I've seen him write up so well. You know what I think happened is then state bird provisions came mm-hmm. out not long after rich table it became the like it place. Um, it kind of stole a little bit from what Rich Table, I guess the notoriety they could have gotten, which I still think it's a well-known place, yeah. but so it was the it place, but then I think State Bird came in and kind of like swept them away. It, you're, you're always ahead of, ahead of me, I said, because you're, yeah. you know, you're obsessed with Michael Bauer. Um, <laughs> I, I, reading what he wrote. I, didn't, I hadn't heard of Rich Table until yeah. we, we got a gift certificate for, for our wedding. Right. Um, and I don't, we went there a little bit after the wedding, I think, but... Um, I hadn't heard about it, but maybe it was like hyped and I missed that and then it went down a bit. Right. But um, yeah, I dug it. I, I do want to check out State Bird. I haven't been yeah, there. I haven't been either. Oh, you, have, no, you haven't I been there? I haven't been. I'm still surprised at that. It's I so love the concept of yeah. dim sum style service, but in like, you know, Cal- French, California, whatever, California cuisine, whatever that's called, right. I assume, you know, just that like uh, good food. Yeah. Um, so that that place intrigues me. It's, it's tough to get a reservation, I think. Very tough. Yeah. Yeah. Do you uh, do you like living in the marina? Um, I don't think it's my. I don't think it's totally my place. Yeah. I mean, I don't dislike it. I mean, it's beautiful. Um, do people hate on you a lot? Do people hit on me or hate, hate, hate on, on me? you? Oh, you okay. tell me you live there. Because um, I had that experience when I first moved. Yeah, here. no, no. Every, every person I yeah. tell, they roll their eyes. Yeah. And be like, oh my god. Yeah, I probably did that to you too. I yeah, still kind of. I, I still did actually. I still call you a marina guy, <laughs> even though you're two neighborhoods away now. That's right. Um. I, I, you know what? It, I preempt the hate. Yeah. So I say, like, I give them an, I know, you know, in the marina kind of thing, which is a yeah. little lame that I do that. <laughs> but um, I think that's what I do. Actually, I probably stopped at this point. Just say the marina. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't think it, it felt just a little bit outskirty for me. Like, if it was less expensive, I think I would be right more into it. Um. I think I'd like to be more because I was I was um for like eight years or not almost eight and a half years I was at uh, Pine and Stockton, which right. felt you know the neighborhood definitely didn't really have as much of a neighborhood but it was definitely like right in it right right um, in and the that middle. was cool yeah now, yeah and I didn't I don't know like I could I, I can I don't have like a neighborhood I'd have to live in like Sonia my wife is uh she likes the marina yeah she likes cute neighborhoods um, yeah. So we'll have to see how that turns out because I'm not sure we agree on the marina right now. What's some of your favorite spots in the hood? Let's see. Um, I think CC's is kind of just that quirky 
uh, go-to place. It's like never crowded until we arrive. Yeah. Um, and so that's, there's always something happening. Yeah. There's always crazy. There's always a story in there. You're absolutely right. Maybe she's wasted. She's serving up chicken wing. Like they don't even serve food. Where did you get this food? Like, that's weird. Um, yeah, no. And then uh, I had my, uh, we had our pre-wedding, uh, uh, meetup that, you know, like the Friday night kind of, kind of thing. Um, yeah. So CC's, let me get, let me give you another one though. So what's another, you know what? I like the Marina meat market. Oh yeah. You go in there right and in you the have a, uh, kind of talk to them a little bit. The butcher meat market thing still intimidate me a little bit, but, right. uh, I kind of want to be like better at cooking so I can like order like a piece of meat that like I requested, you know, and can you cut it this way? Yeah. So I feel like that's, that was like, I was starting to do that there a little bit, okay. but I like that place. Um, the theaters, I like the Presidio Old theater school. and even the, the other one, which isn't as classic, the one by Walgreens. What's that one? Marina theater. Marina I think. theater. Yeah. I like just, you know, it's kind yeah. of cool having a neighbor th- neighborhood theater that you can yeah. walk to. Yep. Yeah. So let me ask you this then you're moving to New York, flying out in the morning. You have one day left in San Francisco, your last day. <sighs> Take me through what you're going to do your last day from when you wake up in the morning to when you go to bed. Do you mean what I'm literally going to do my last day? Uh, or because literally it's not, that's yeah. going to be like a stressful. Your yeah. ideal day. <laughs> okay. If you can think of like an ideal okay. day, yeah. your ideal yeah. last day in, in the city. Right. What do you think you guys would do? I think I would go to um, that place, which is blanking on me. What's the bakery with no sign on it in the mission? It starts with an A or an N. It's at 18th and Guerrero. Ish. I don't know. They do the sticky buns. Tartine. Oh, that was neither an A or an N, but the N had an N sound in it. I would probably go to Tartine in the morning, get a sticky bun. Okay. Um, I think I might pick up a uh, at some point, not right after, get a burrito at Matate. Okay. Shrimp burrito at Matate. Those are pretty good. Um, that's also a mission. I got that. I've never been to that place. I like it. Yeah, it's good. Or just like, I really like um, Pancho Villa too. Just like solid kind of assembly line in the, in the, in the best sense of that word. Right. Um, cooking of burritos. Um, and I don't think I'm good at these days. I feel like I'm not good at like plant. This is, this is what it's like yeah. when people are like uh, coming to town. I feel like I never know what to do. I don't right. have that gift of knowing, oh, we're going to check out this new spot. Oh my God, I know what it is. My favorite, the best meal I've ever had. I can't believe I forgot. And I've had it twice. Okay. Mission Chinese. Okay. My favorite, I, I've had it. I, I went there one night and had, I thought it was the best meal I'd have just in terms of the full experience and food. I just loved it. Right. Um, it's this, for those of you who don't know, it's this, um, <laughs> <laughs> it started as a pop-up restaurant and I suppose it still technically is, but it's in a Chinese restaurant in another Chinese restaurant. That's like a different Chinese restaurant by right. day. And they do, um. Just different. I think it's a little bit fusiony. It's still very Chinese food, but um, right. I don't know, different than I tasted. I don't. I don't know why. Very spicy. Um, good prices. They kind of just sit you in these long tables, and it's got this dark, cool vibe going. Yeah, I thought it was great. And then that's, I, but what, that's what I liked about it too is they they put together they put together flavors that you would never think of right. like being put together before. And it's very interesting combinations always. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and then you and normally when you have like the best meal of your life or the best beer you've ever had, like the next time you have it, it doesn't hold up, right? But right. it did. I went again. I've only been twice, and I thought it was the greatest thing. So I would I would end with Mission Chinese, uh, maybe like a 9 p.m. dinner yeah. at Mission Chinese before my red eye flight out to New I like York. That. Um, there's some other stuff to do, like probably some outdoor activities I should do, but I like that. Those aren't coming to mind. A marina guy spending his last 24 hours on a mission. <laughs> I love <laughs> the, the entire day. <laughs> I love it. All right, thanks for coming on the show, Rob. All right. It was a real pleasure having thanks you for on having here. Me. Uh, we'll miss you guys when you move to New York. That's I'll, for sure. We'll be back. So that's the show. Episode one of San Francisco People complete. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Rob. He's a hell of a great guy and deserves all of his success. Go on the App Store and check out his apps. Hit Tennis 3 and hit Tennis Multiplayer. If you have any comments or questions about the show, or if you have an idea for a future show, you can email me. The address is frank at sfpeoplepodcast.com. We'll be back in a few weeks with our next episode. Until then, go out and enjoy San Francisco people.